So we'll get into the word of God this afternoon. I want you to pay particular attention. You are not here by accident. You may not know why you are here. <laughs> or someone dragged you to church. <laughs> I remember uh, in 20... Is it 11? Somewhere there when I got born again. I was just invited to a meeting. And I accepted because I was irritated. You know one of those things where your friend just keeps inviting you for a meeting, right? Until one day you're like, ah, Muchifukushi. <laughs> Let me just go. <laughs> and it's in that meeting that I encountered the Lord. So God had other plans. For me, I was just like, ah, let me just go to... Let me just hear it. And the funny thing is, in the meeting, it was a relationship talk. So they're talking about dating. And in that meeting, I encountered God. Amazingly. There was no outlook for salvation. Nothing. I just heard a man teach on relationships and I was convicted to give my life to the Lord. <laughs> so, anyway. Tell your neighbor, this is your meeting. <laughs> Look at them in their eyes. So, this is your meeting. <laughs> Alright, so this afternoon I'll teach on something I've titled Consecration. Consecration. How many have heard that word before? How many have heard the word consecration before? <laughs> okay, so majority have never heard that word. Or have never used it. If you've never used it, are you even a painter? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, since we don't know what consecration is so i'll start by defining it and then i'll go on to teach amen? amen but like i said pay particular attention because what is about to be taught is something that you will need and it's something that you need even today okay so pay attention when your mind tries to go back home and remembers that you didn't fold your clothes bring it back here <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah Obviously, that's us for the ladies. <laughs> I doubt if the other gender folds their clothes. <laughs> if you ask the gents here, they just, uh, just, just get and just iron and just wear. <laughs> Sometimes they even get confused. Is this clean or is this? Feels nice belonging to this gender. <laughs> so consecration simply refers to, by definition, dedicating or declaring something as sacred. I'll define sacred. I assume most people still don't know it. So dedicating or declaring something as sacred. Or then sacred simply means to, um, to separate something or to commit something for divine purpose or for holy use. You understand that, right? For example, um, we're using this place for church, but then it was never built for church. It's a lodge. You understand that, right? But then there are certain buildings out there that were built specifically for church. It means even if someone wanted to have a, to have a, a wedding reception in there, they just can't accept. 
because that place was designed or was built specifically for for church or for for spiritual uh, meetings you understand that right so it means that building was actually dedicated for for holy or divine divine use i don't know if you understand that so when we talk about consecration or simply referring to separating something or separating someone for the purpose or for a divine purpose are we following i'm just defining things here then we'll, we'll go on i'll show you from from scriptures what that means so um do you remember the time that god met moses god told moses said take off your shoes for the ground you're standing on his holy ground right now does that mean every person who was passing there had to remove their shoes and when they passed they have to wear them back it became holy when god was there when he left it was, it was just no more ground <laughs> you understand that right so it became it became a dedicated place in that moment it, be, it became a separated place in that moment all right the same way god is everywhere god is also somewhere the same way God is found everywhere, sometimes God manifests himself in particular places. At one time in the Garden of, of Eden, God was walking in, in one garden, but he's omnipresent. I don't know if you understand that. Do you? It is well. <laughs> That's another teaching altogether. <laughs> anyway, so when we talk about, before I go into the scriptures, I'll, I'll show you two things. But firstly, for now, um, we have to understand that our lives as believers, our lives as Christians, is actually for a divine purpose. All right? And I've explained this before in church to say, God is not experimenting with us. <coughs> this is not, life is not a social experiment in the eyes of God. You understand? He is not trying out whether your money to work and then create another, another breed after. Mm -hmm. No, these guys have seen too much. If God wanted to destroy the world, he's done it before, right? Yeah, with Noah, remember that, right? The whole world, he just wiped everyone out. Those are interesting times, eh? <laughs> That's wiped everyone out. Sodom and Gomorrah, a whole city burnt. One time, the children of Israel, God just opened the ground, hmm, swallowed everyone. <laughs> they were gone. <laughs> but now that can't happen for obvious reasons. Or may I not say, not, not so obvious. <laughs> But now that can't happen because the simple reason was, was because whenever God would do such a thing, for example, in Sodom and Gomorrah, that was judgment on them for their sins. You remember that, right? So because of their sins, just like when God talked about, um, when God approached Noah to build an ark and everything, uh, he wanted to destroy the world because, of, because sin had actually grown so much into the world. So. It didn't please God and he just wanted to just wipe everyone out. And then he found Noah who was upright in his eyes and Noah was preserved. Now, it means the people who were actually uh, taken out at that time, judgment was passed on them. But the reason why God can't do that now is simply because God passed judgment on Jesus for the sake of humanity. I don't know if you understand. That is why when you accept the Lord as your personal savior, the judgment that was supposed to fall on you, Jesus took it. And that is why when you read the Bible properly, the so-called judgment day is not applicable to believers. 
he doesn't apply. <laughs> because Jesus was already judged. But that's a, a whole teaching altogether. I can show you from the Bible. So for believers, judgment day will be a deal for rewards. <laughs> for the unbelievers, they already know where they're they going. <laughs> you understand? The Bible is very clear about it. But I'll teach on judgment uh, time time. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, sometimes I avoid teaching on such things because sometimes when, when you, today I teach on judgment, people are already scared. Where am I going? Mm-hmm. But anyway, when you are saved, you don't, you don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be. But then anyway, I was saying our lives are actually for holy use. Now, there are two things that I want you to understand about, about consecration. Because remember, consecration simply means to separate. It simply means to declare something for holy use, right? Now, um, let's, let's read a scripture in the book of Jeremiah. A verse I think we all know, really. Jeremiah chapter number 1, verse 5. Either we know or we heard about it. Jeremiah chapter number 1, verse 5. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. The Bible says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Alright? Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, let's pause there for a second. God is talking to Jeremiah and he tells Jeremiah, say, look, before you were actually even born, as in I knew you. I don't know if you understand. This means, this shows something. God actually knew us before we actually even came into this world. Tell your neighbor, God knew you before you were born. Yeah. God actually knew you before you were born. He knew where you would live. Mm-hmm. And that is why where you were born is not an accident. Mm-hmm. It's not. You may wish you were born in a better family, but that's where God wanted you to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. You may wish your parents were somewhere, I know people you envy. For people you admire, but God wanted you to be there. So God was telling Jeremiah, say, look, I knew, he said, I separated you from your mother's womb. And then he says, I ordained you as a prophet. Imagine this. Before Jeremiah was even born, God was seeing a prophet already. I want you to think about it. Before, because remember, Jeremiah was a prophet to Israel. Right? He was a prophet to Israel. So it means in the eyes of God, at that particular time, God knew they would need a prophet and God decided to ordain Jeremiah before he was actually even born. So when Jeremiah was born, he, God interacted with him as a prophet way before he even knew it. So God separated this guy, a young man. And you know, Jeremiah was actually quite young when God met him, when God was telling him this, right? He was a very young man. And this is an amazing thing. When you understand how uh, how just when you read your Bible, you know most of the people that you read about in the Bible were actually youths. Are you aware? Yeah, people like John, even Jesus himself lived as a youth his entire life. <laughs> he never went above being a youth. <laughs> Jeremiah, all these guys were actually young when God met them. 
The others, like Moses, of course, were the exceptions where God met them at 80. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. So God knew this guy called Jeremiah. And then the Bible goes on to say in verse 6, says, Then I said, Oh Lord God. So Jeremiah is talking to God now. Because God is telling him to say, Look, I knew you. I ordained you. It says, Before you were born, I sanctified you. It says, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah says, Then I said, oh, oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. What an excuse, eh? I can't save you because I'm young. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't speak, for I am a youth. Uh, for you shall go to all, to all, um, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. And then verse 8 says, do not, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So God meets Jeremiah. And God tells Jeremiah, I said, look, actually, I separated you. you remember what the explanation I gave you concerning holy ground, right? Concerning how God sanctifies, separation, whatnot. So God was telling Jeremiah, I said, look, you are actually separated. You are not like the rest. Yes, you are a youth, but for you, you've been separated by me for this purpose. And Jeremiah had a reason why he could not do what God wanted him to do in that moment. And maybe for someone in here, really, that could be your reason as well. That could have been your reason, really. You know, I'm young. And really, especially in Africa, the funny thing is, is just, I think now things have changed a little. In Africa, people who are serving God were just our parents growing up. You understand that, right? Yeah. Even in churches, you find the pastors, the elders, they're all just grandparents. <laughs> And all that. So it eliminates your mind, it eliminates that the idea in your mind. Or for you, you may think, oh, I need to do everything when I retire, I can become an elder. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? When I retire, I can become an elder. Now, I'll tell you this in this church, I don't think I can ever ordain someone who is very old as an elder. I'll tell you why. If the government doesn't need you above 65, <laughs> because look, what they are telling you is this, you are past your prime in terms of energy. You know what I mean, right? So even your service to God, do you think you'll be effective at 65 if you tell you go and evangelize? You talk to three people and they're already running out of breath. You need water, you need to sit down. <laughs> I'm not saying they can't serve God. They can, and they should. But then, my point is, most of us here being young, this is the time to actually serve God. This is the time. So as much as you may be occupied doing everything else, remember, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. God had knowledge of you. You understand? And the funny thing about the love of God is that God loved you even before you knew that you, you, you could even love him. <laughs> before you actually even knew that you could ever love him, God loved you already. And you see, this is, it, it's amazing because according to the Bible, do you know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God? What that means is this, 
There is no one who can talk who can talk God out of loving you. No matter how close they are with God. <laughs> Even if them and God are like Moses, whether well, they speak face to face. They can't <laughs> they can't talk God out of loving you as 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 his child. It's not possible. Because the Bible actually says not even death can do it. I don't know if you understand. Anyway, so God is now telling Jeremiah, "Say, look, when you, when you go where I will send you." He tells them, "Firstly, you will speak my word." All right? And then he tells them, tells them, "Don't look at their faces." In other words, don't be intimidated by how they look. That there are some maybe if we tell you come and lead prayer in front you'd be shaking left right hand forget all your prayer points <laughs> don't look at their faces <laughs> now nah, don't you don't the first time i remember preaching somewhere uh, the first time i ever preached i was i was i was so nervous and i was wondering what made us embarrass myself this side but anyway here we are <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on. Um in the book of uh John John chapter number chapter number 15 John chapter number 15 verse 16 John chapter number 15 verse 16 I love this portion of scripture. John chapter number 15 verse 16 John chapter number 15 verse 16 the bible says you did not choose me but i chose you are you hearing that this is the word of the lord to you it says you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give you interesting so when it comes to consecrating you it was never your choice I don't know if you understand. When it comes Jesus was saying say look you didn't you didn't choose me I chose you. It may look like it was your decision to follow. <laughs> But he says I actually chose you. And then he says I appointed you in other words I separated you so that you can go and bear fruit. Tell him but say God chose you. Look at them and say God chose. Don't just say God chose you. <laughs> Look at them. Say God chose you. <laughs> yes. That means you're actually God's choice. You know what it means to be God's choice? It means he actually prioritizes as in he picked. He looked around from everyone and just said this is the one I will use. This is the one I will do this with. Yeah. This is the one I will consecrate. This is the one I will separate. You didn't choose God. God chose you. For that separation, for that consecration, God God is the one who decided. And the amazing thing is this. Other people may not actually think God is the one that chose you, but it doesn't change the fact that God did. Sometimes you may not feel like you've been chosen by God. But God did. Let me show you a particular man called David. You remember that story, right? Let's read about David. Let's read about David. 
in the book of uh, I must say Psalms. <laughs> First Samuel. First Samuel 16, verse 1. First Samuel chapter number 16, verse 1. First Samuel chapter number 16, verse 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, uh, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king amongst his sons. So now, Sam, so the Bible here says God actually rejected Saul. I don't know if you, you've seen that, right? So how long shall you mourn over this guy called Saul? In other words, Samuel had an attachment to Saul being king. Samuel loved Saul. And the, when the Bible talks about Saul, it describes him to be, you know, he was, he was, the, he was the ideal king in terms of body stature. You understand that, right? He had all the features, really, you need to be a king. Like, he looked like a king. You understand? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Saul so, so was actually rejected by God. And the amazing thing, I think Saul reigned for, if I'm not mistaken, for about 30 or 33 years. Somewhere there. But do you know when God rejected him? In his third year of reigning. I mean... He ran the rest of the years while being rejected by God. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, verse 2 says, And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. <laughs> Interesting guy, right? No regard for God's prophets. <laughs> but the Lord says, uh, Take a high up with you and say, I have, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you, uh, I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Hmm. Interesting. Verse 4 said, So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come, do you come, uh, peace, is it peace what? Peaceably. Sorry. Verse 5 says, uh, he, and he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come and come with me to the sacrifice. So he's saying them to consecrate themselves as well or separate themselves. Then he consecrated Jesse and, and his sons and invited them to sacrifice. The reason why he consecrated everyone was because he didn't know which one, of, which one was going to be king. So each one of them had to be consecrated. Each one of them had to be separated. Are you following? All right. Are you following? I want to hear you respond. Are you following? <laughs> All right. And then verse, when verse what, six? So it was when they came, he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord, the Lord's anointed is before me. In other words, this guy looked like a king as well. Know what I mean? Probably as buff as you are seeing this guy in front of you. And as tall really. Looked like a king. Looked like a warrior. Exhibit A. I do look like a warrior. <laughs> yeah. Unless there are people who are disputing in this church. <laughs> which I doubt. Mm -hmm. Then verse 7, right? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man 
looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The scripture people like abusing, eh? Now you know where it comes from. <laughs> so God looks at the heart. And then he says, So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass uh, before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made uh, Shammah pass by. In other words, Jesse was presenting the most, the most likely kings. You understand? The most likely to be kings. Oh, they would have made me pass as well. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. We're in verse 8. Verse 9, right? Th then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen uh, this one. Then verse 10 says, Thus Jesse made seven sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And then verse 11 says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all these men uh, are all the young men here? And then, then he said, there remains yet the youngest. <laughs> there he is, keeping the sheep. In other words, David, they decided to just put David. Like, no, he wasn't like the most likely. So, Jesse brought out all his sons, except one. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, he couldn't have been David. Mm -hmm. You understand? Are you following? And then he says, uh, the, And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. <laughs> Interesting. So he sent and brought him, brought him in. Now he was, he was ruddy uh, with, 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 with bright eyes and good looking. Praise God. Criteria for a king. <laughs> and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then, then the Bible says, the verse 13 says, then Samuel, then, uh, then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. So I don't know if you've seen this about David. David was, he wasn't necessarily the most, the most, the most likely to become a king in that moment. I don't know if you've seen that. All the options had to be eliminated. David was the last one. But then, in the eyes of God, that is the one God had chosen. That is the one. David was the one God had actually chosen. And when the Bible says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, it, that's the picture it gives us, where God has started to anoint you. God has started to separate you for, for his own use. And that's why you must, understand, you must understand this. It doesn't matter whether everyone thinks God has separated you or not. It doesn't matter whether everyone thinks you, are, you can actually be used by God or not. If God has separated you for his work, then you've been separated. Are you following? Yeah. And remember I said, when it comes to consecration, that's God separating you for holy use. God separating you for, for a divine purpose. For a divine purpose. Do you know that there is no person on the earth here who actually has the, the exact assignment as you on the earth. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. They may be similar, but they're never exact. <laughs> they may be similar, but they're never exact. And that's one thing you must understand. You must ask yourself certain questions. What has God brought me here for? What does God want me to do while I'm here? How does God want me to live while I'm here? How does God want me to think while I'm here? 
I don't know if you're following. So, David was actually anointed by God. David was separated by God. And the amazing thing is this. When you read about the life of, of David, this was way before he encountered Goliath. I don't know if you know that. So it's way before he encountered Goliath. Now, the fact that God has chosen you, then then automatically mean you you actually do what you ought to be doing. It's a decision. And I'll show you exactly, there's actually a part you play in this thing called consecration. There's a part you play in this thing called called separation. That that, that will be our second point. But when you read certain scriptures like this, you will notice that God decided to separate a person. And in the eyes of God, when God separates a person and looks at you, he sees you based on the work he wants you to do. He sees you based on the life he wants you to live on the earth and God will relate with you based on the on how he sees you and based on the thing he's put on you how many here are aware by a show of hands how many here are aware of of the grace that God has put on them individually raise your hand if you are, if you know so okay, this one this is, the, this is the type of grace God has put on you. Raise your hand. One, two, three, four. Others are still feeling shy. Eh? Five. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. So, should I assume the rest are not aware? Or that there's a maybe somewhere? Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure? Mm-hmm. Those, who are, those who are sure or those who know. Raise your hand again. I want to see. Mm-hmm. Raise them high. Why? Show everyone. <laughs> okay, you are aware. How many here don't know? If you don't know, don't, nothing to be shy about. Just raise your hand. Okay, how many here are not sure? You can't be, you can't be in the middle. <laughs> you really, really can't be in the middle. How many? <laughs> you are not sure. You, are, you just suspect. It could be this. <laughs> Still wondering. Now, the reason I asked is very simple. When God has decided to put grace on your life, it's for a purpose. It's actually for a purpose. There's a scripture. Let me see if I can. Galatians. Read Galatians from the KJV. Galatians chapter number 2, verse 21. Galatians chapter number 2, verse 21. Galatians chapter number 2, verse 21. Galatians 2, verse 21. I want you to notice what the Bible says here. From the King James Version. Galatians 2, verse 21. The Bible says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. (laughs) So in other words, the grace of God can be frustrated. (laughs) says, I do not trust the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ, uh, the, then Christ is dead in vain. So, this thing called grace can actually be frustrated. In other words, you can actually abuse the grace of God on your life. You can actually even underuse the grace of God on your life. I don't know if you are aware. You can abuse it or you can underuse it. It's very possible. Now, if you are not aware, remember what? Let me not. <laughs> if you are not aware, you ought to become aware. Now, how you become aware is very simple. 
when it comes to awareness of, of the grace God has given you, it's very simple. Number one, you have to serve in the house of God. That's one of the easiest ways you can know. Write that down, serving in the house of God. You have to serve in the house of God. How do you have a notepad? <laughs> you have to, you have to, he distracted me, sorry. <laughs> Not having a notepad. <laughs> you have to serve in the house of God. Serving in the house of God is one of the easiest ways of actually knowing. You will know the things that God, this God has actually given me to do ABCD. You will know. And by the way, when we talk about the grace God has put on your life, it's beyond the talent. I don't know if you understand. It's beyond the talent. No, me, my grace is just plain food. I don't know why you are laughing. <laughs> there is special grace for skill, but that's what the Bible shows us actually in the book of Exodus. But yeah. So don't, fr those of you who are aware, don't frustrate the grace of God in your life. When that, when that grace on your life requires you to be, to be in prayer a lot, pray a lot. If that grace on your life requires you to actually fast a lot, fast a lot. If that grace on your life requires you to, be, to spend a lot of time in worship, then do it. And like I said, for those who are still trying to know the, 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 the grace that God has put on you, have served in the house of God. It's one of the easiest ways, really. One of the easiest ways. One of the easiest ways. The other way, you will, you, you, you will know it's actually by interacting with those who actually have discovered what, what God has put on them. One of the easiest ways. Just be very close. Just mingle around them. Then so began to prophesy when he mingled with the prophets. That's what the Bible says, right? Yeah. He just went amongst the prophets and the Bible says he began to prophesy as well. One of the easiest ways. Associations. They build certain things. And then the other way rather. Um, there's another way that God separates people. Acts chapter number 13. Or how God consecrates people. Acts chapter number 13 verse 2. Acts chapter number 13 verse 2. The Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me uh, Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called, I have called them. Alright? So they said, as, as though I minister to the Lord, the Holy Spirit actually told them, say, look, separate these guys. In other words, these guys, consecrate them because I've called them for a particular work. Separate for me Saul and, and Barnabas. Acts chapter number 13, verse 2. For those who didn't get it. Separate unto me Saul and Barnabas. So, at times, consecration simply means God will actually use other people. The Holy Spirit will speak to other people. So, this one, I have separated them. Kindly do it for me. And God will actually separate you like that it happens for so many people and that is why for example if i come to you and i tell you god has put a particular grace like this on your life and by the way when i talk about having a particular grace on your life it's not i'm trying to find the best way of putting it the grace of god on your life is not restricted to simply for lack of better words church things mm -hmm. There are certain people who've got grace for making serious money. You'll be amazed. You will be amazed. Like God has said this one. 
you'll be amazed. Isn't that how it was with Solomon? Solomon had serious wealth. It was sponsored by God. Serious. Not for joking. <laughs> serious wealth. There's a certain uh, guy I was talking to. Not so long. I think that was last year. He, like you know how people struggle to get jobs in Zambia, right? This guy doesn't struggle. <laughs> like he's, he's one of those who, it's amazing. It's, it's irritating-ish. Because, listen, this is how he is. He comes from a well-to-do family, but then doesn't even use his connections. What he does is this. If let's say he wants something from his parents, let's say the time he wanted a, a PS5 from, from his parents, and they said no. He just simply applied for a job and got a job. Worked for two months, got a PS got a PS5 and resigned. <laughs> when he <laughs> crazy. Like if he wants a particular shoe, that's just too expensive. He just applied for a job. Like, he gets every job he applies for. You get to wonder, how come? How do you which which side of the world do you face when writing your letter? <laughs> no, I mean, he's, I, as an amazing, he's like, I, I, I don't struggle. And he doesn't even use his connections at all. Mm. He just gets a letter, writes CV, mm. gets a job. When he gets the money, once he resigns, he <laughs> goes back to not working again. <laughs> I'm sure many people want that grace. Eh? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Anyway, I explained to him a, a number of things on how to use that thing correctly. He was abusing it. <laughs> that's, that's abusing what God has given him. But yeah, that's called, that's called favor. Mm-hmm. That's called favor. Mm-hmm. You've heard about it, right? The people are favored by God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So the other thing you need to do, remember, I told you about God. So in other words, the first thing, the first point that I want you to notice is that God actually separates people for his own use. God consecrates people for himself. Alright? God separates people for, for a divine purpose. So, for example, they say, the, the young lady there, if God has decided to say, look, all, all her life, he will use her. It means, God has, in his mind, God has actually chosen her. There's nothing she can say to change, change uh, God's mind on that one. The Bible says the gifts of God are irrevocable. In other words, they don't, they don't go back. Mm-hmm. You understand that, right? Yeah, and that is why if you flow in the gifts of the Spirit, don't be deceived. That's one of the easiest ways of actually deceiving yourself. If you actually know the gifts of the Spirit on your life, for example, there are certain people, they've got, they've got a very... There are some in here actually know. All right? They actually have a very strong prophetic grace on their life. Strong prophetic grace. It means for some people, when they dream about something, it comes to pass, no matter what. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a prophetic grace. Now, when the, Bible talks, when the Bible says the gifts of God are irrevocable, you know what that means? It means even if that person was to backslide and go into the world, they will still be dreaming dreams from God. Mm-hmm. And that is why if you follow gifts, you will be thinking, but me, I'm still used by God, even if I do this. I can do anything I want. Let the rapture take place. <laughs> then you discover. So these gifts can't save me. No, they can't. <laughs> they can't. 
So you've been separated by God. Tell yourself, say, I've been separated by God. Tell yourself, I've been separated by God. <laughs> yeah. So the second thing you have to, you have to know is that uh, after God separates you, you now have to live a consecrated life. In other words, a separated life. After knowing, remember what God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah right? He ordained him as a prophet before he was actually even born. The same way you right now, you who is listening to me at this moment, the Lord is telling you, say, look, you, God knew you before you were born. And where you are now is where God wants you to be. I'm talking about your geographical place, that is. All right? That's where God wants you to be. And in that place, God wants you to fulfill your assignment. God wants you to serve him right there with that gift, with that grace that God has put on your life. He ordained you and chose you for that particular work. Don't come up with excuses like Jeremiah tried to. You understand? And God met people differently. And amazingly, a number of people actually tried to give excuses to God. Even Moses. Moses tried to tell God, me, me I stammer. How will I talk? Imagine God decided to pick someone who stammer and said, go and speak to Pharaoh. <laughs> Moses could have had every reason to say no. I can't talk properly. You understand? Yeah. I made up my mind. I remember when I was in first year of university, I told myself, say, look, I will not stop serving God just because I'm in school. I will not even reduce serving God just because I'm in school. We completed school. And our service to God never stopped. It was relentless. You understand? Yeah. So don't don't have don't have reasons why you are not serving God. Don't come up with and, 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 and you know when it comes to excuses and reasons, sometimes they are justified in your mind. That is, they are justified. But do you know that the plan of God is doesn't pause simply because you are busy. Do you know that the grace of God on your life will not pause simply because you are busy? Mm. Ah, let me just make to my money, then when I'm done, mm. we'll go back to... <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me just, let me just do this. I've got, I've got A, B, C, D. When I'm done, ah, I'll come back. Mm. I'll be back to saving God. And there are those who even come up with foolish quotes. I, I might have lost my way to church, but not to God. You are lost. That's the point. You are lost. <laughs> I may lose my way to church, but not... People are just lost. Don't even listen to such things. Because if, if you truly you've, lost, you've not lost your way to God, you will know what the Bible says about church. And you will know what God has said concerning church. If truly you've not lost your way. I may not pray like that one, but I'm spiritual. People do things, people say things to make themselves feel good, right? Amazingly. Just go to their seat. I want to pray like you. You see, it won't, it won't, it won't hurt. I want to have a prayer life like yours. I admire how you pray. One time the disciples just told Jesus, said, look, Lord, teach us how to pray. <laughs> like John told disciples. In other words, prayer can be taught. You can be taught how to pray. All right? Yeah. You are never too cool to be spiritual. 
<laughs> Never. So God has separated you. Now, the, what you what you ought to do now that God has separated you, you ought to live a consecrated life or a separated life. And you have to do the following things. Some of these things will sound a bit like a stretch, but you have to. Their necessity. The first one is a thing is a spiritual discipline called fasting. Ask your neighbor was the last time they were fasting. In fact, we should be fasting as a church. <laughs> so if you're a member of the church and you're not fasting, you're even having a buns in the morning. <laughs> the Lord will appear in your conscience to say hi to you. <laughs> fasting, very important. In Matthew chapter number 6, verse 16, Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus says, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. He says, when. In other words, he's expecting you to fast. When you fast. If someone tells you, please, when you go to school, do this for me. He's not telling you if. It means you're going to school. <laughs> when you fast. In other words, so you ought to fast. Now, fasting is just, it's a spiritual discipline where you separate yourself in order to, uh, to attain a, a higher spiritual goal. All right, you separate yourself in order to now. One thing you must understand about fasting, and I've and I've taught this before in church reading. Fasting doesn't make God answer your prayers faster. God hears your prayers the same whether you are fasting or you're not. Fasting changes you, don't change God. Fasting simply means you are positioning yourself to hear God. You are positioning yourself to actually receive from God. So fasting is for you, not for God. God is God whether you fast or you don't fast. You understand? Yeah. That's like one time I remember when I was when I was younger in the faith, that was like nine years ago or so. I heard someone saying, uh, no, because something did happen in their life, they've stopped worshiping God. How me have even stopped? I asked them, say, look, so if you stop, you think to change who God is. <laughs> See, whether you worship or you don't, God is God. <laughs> even if all you all humanity stopped worshiping him, it didn't change who he is. He doesn't become brighter by our worship. <laughs> no he's not even lifted higher by our worship he's already high <laughs> you understand he's already there <laughs> so when you tell the Lord say, I lift you I think lifting him in your, in your life not him <laughs> in your life not, not like him he's already God <laughs> you understand there is nothing you can do to change who he is even if you think otherwise. Whether there are 10 million atheists in the world, that doesn't change anything. Mm. You get it, right? Yeah. Mm. So fasting, very important. You separate yourself. Now, fasting doesn't mean, and I'll, I'll say it this way. Fasting doesn't mean that you just, today I'm fasting, so you just sit on the couch the whole day waiting for 18 hours so you can break your fast. Just eat if that's what you're doing. Because <laughs> you ought to be praying. Mm -hmm. You ought to be seeking his face. You ought to be, you, you ought to be growing. You ought to spend time in, in the word of God. Mm. If you're having a busy day and you're fasting, still find time to do it. It can be even after or early in the morning or, or whatever it is. Spend time. Spend time fasting. And in this church, we believe in fasting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Tell anybody you should be fasting. <laughs> Look at them and tell them you should be fasting. <laughs> yes. 
So don't just fast when the church declares a fast. Have personal fasts. All right? Personal, individual. The same way, we can pray together as a church, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to have your own individual prayer life. You have to pray on your own. I don't know if you understand. Yeah. So fasting, you, say, you, you, you ought to put yourself on certain fast. Oh, look, I'm, go- I'm going to be fasting this way. I'm going to be doing it this way. I'm going to be doing it for how many days? I'm going to be doing it for... Like, you know, you, 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 and you spend time actually achieving those spiritual targets and spiritual goals. The same way you've got, you've got uh, your, your financial goals for the year, if you do have, that is. You've got your academic goals for the year, if you do have, that is. It's the same way you should have spiritual goals. How, how much do you want to grow by the end of the year? How much do you want to grow by June? How much do you want to grow by October? Don't have Christianity at Pante Pante if you just live, you know, just as long as they, as, as, as long as they're just there, you know what I mean, right? Like I'm just, <laughs> you're just living, you know what I mean? Yeah, you pray when you feel like it. When you're listening to a song and it moves you, then I'll, let me now pray. <laughs> <laughs> No, you ought to be deliberate. And when it comes to spiritual growth, it's very deliberate. It's deliberate. So when you talk about fasting, will you always feel like you want to fast? No. And that's, and that's the funny thing. The flesh doesn't want you to actually do what God wants you to do. The flesh is a bigger distraction than Satan. Because Satan was already defeated. The flesh is your work. That's your responsibility. Your flesh, that's your responsibility. Yeah. When you're fasting, that's when they even invite you out for meals. <laughs> are you coming for the bride? <laughs> when I was not fasting, where were you? <laughs> With your bride. <laughs> so, fast. Set time. So consecration means you separate yourself and you ought to live. And there's, there's a difference, by the way, between fasting and living a fasted life. Now, every believer ought to live a fasted life, whether you're fasting or not. What that means, living a fasted life, simply means the things that you do when you're fasting, they should become your habit on a daily basis. An example, if right now I was to come to you you right now who is listening to me and I told you you are the one who is preaching next week. How would you prepare the whole week this coming week? Intensely, right? You don't want to embarrass yourself, eh? <laughs> if I was to tell you so, oh, this week you are the one who is preaching. For how long, sir? Two hours? <laughs> Ten minutes for a pastor. Ten. Two is a long time. <laughs> no, it's not actually. <laughs> Ask a deaconess here. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really not. Time moves. So how would you live? Now, the way you would live, if you are the one who is preaching next week, is that is how we should live every day. So there are people who take it serious just because, even if let's say you are sharing in the review meeting, you are the one who is going to lead tomorrow. They will meditate. Oh Lord, I need to, I need to focus. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who focus. You allow no distractions. Even when someone tries to upset you, you will not take me to the flesh. <laughs> Fast. Praise God. It will help you. Fasting builds your spiritual stamina. 
it builds your spiritual stamina. It means you'll be standing strong even when things come your way. You'll be standing strong. One time Jesus, uh, one time the, one of the disciples actually asked Jesus, say, well, why, why they couldn't cast out certain devils? And Jesus said, this kind goes not by, by prayer and fasting. In other words, what you're saying is, look, the, the kind they're dealing with now, they won't go unless you, unless you live a life of prayer and fasting. Because look, in that moment, assuming, let's say, in that moment, they were trying to cast out that, that demon, right? And then Jesus tells them, this kind does not go by prayer and fasting. Does that mean that they had to go on a fast the following day so they come back for it? No. <laughs> How come Jesus was able to cast it out? <laughs> How come he was able to do it? Because he was Jesus. Eh? <laughs> I'll tell you this. Let me not go. Certain directions. The second thing you ought to do is you have to give your life uh, to the word and prayer. You have to give your life to the word and prayer. Acts chapter number 6 verse 4. Acts chapter number 6 verse 4. Acts chapter number 6 verse 4. Living a consecrated life. Number one, I said fasting, right? You ought to be fasting. That's one of the ways you live a consecrated life. Number two, the word of God and prayer. Verse, Acts chapter number 6 verse 4 says, But we will give ourselves continually. Tell your neighbor, say continually. Yeah, so, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We will give ourselves, we will give ourselves, we will give ourselves. In other words, you ought to give yourself to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And it says continually. In other words, so you don't give yourself to prayer just once. When on Monday, maybe you're on campus, there are prayers that they say, say in fellowship, tender my prayers. When you pray there, they're all weak, you're sorted. No, you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> you ought to give yourself continually to the ministry of the word of God and prayer. The ministry of the word simply means what the word of God says. You give yourself entirely to what God has said. What has God said in his word? That's what you give yourself to. Are you following? Yeah. You give yourself to the word of God. Have times where you study the Bible on your own. The Bible shouldn't become a strange book to you. Just strange. You even start quoting books that don't even exist there. Give yourself continually. You have to give yourself. And this is not something God will come and do for you. So what Jesus has done is complete. But there are certain things when it comes to living a consecrated life that you ought to do on your own. The Lord won't study the Bible for you. He won't come in a vision and read to you. John 1 verse 1. When you wake up, you remember everything. No. You ought to give yourself continually to the ministry of the word of God and prayer. Now, when you talk about, when you talk about giving yourself to the ministry of the word, it means you have to continually listen to the word of God. The word of God, you shouldn't just listen to the word of God on Sunday. Even during the week, you ought to listen to the word of God. Why do you think the, we, we, we have a podcast, Daniel? To look fancy? <laughs> no, it's not during the week you're able to give yourself control to, to, to the word of God you, you listen to the word of God throughout the week praise the Lord yeah, yeah. I remember when I was the days I was, I was, I was, I was less busy after, after high school sometimes I would sit down and listen to the word of God even for like 4-5 hours straight 
studying the scriptures. For hours straight, I'll just be there. In your free time, don't just play video games. <laughs> oh, what do, what, do, what, do, what do girls do in their free time? Apart from chores. Yeah, watching Korean drama. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Give yourself control to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. This is for someone. When you are being prompted to go and study the Bible when to go and pray, don't postpone it. No, I'll do it after I'm done with this. There's a reason why God is separating you for that in that particular moment. Be quick when it comes to the promptings of God. Mm-hmm. Are we together? So, and the Holy Spirit sometimes will lead you. Go and pray. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people say, I just had this feeling to pray. So you give yourself feelings to pray. No, mm-hmm. you will never give yourself feelings to pray. In fact, your flesh doesn't even know how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Holy Spirit leads you to go and pray. So when the Spirit of God is leading you to go and pray in a particular moment, excuse, even if you are with people, excuse yourself. Mm. Excuse yourself and go and pray. Mm. Praise God. Yeah. Mm. So if, even if you are living with a noisy roommate, that, mean, that doesn't mean your prayer life should go down. I can't pray. My roommate is there. My roommate is... No. You don't understand, Pastor, at home, I've lived in a noisy house before. Mm-hmm. should motivate you to move out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. It should motivate you. <laughs> Tell yourself, by the end of the year, <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> no, but if you, are, if, you, if you are a child, just stay. <laughs> no, just, just stay. If you can't take care of your own bills, just stay. <laughs> just stay. You'll be boarding buses for, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just stay. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah. And then verse uh what the other the third thing, right? So the first thing I said, fasting, right? Right? And then I said uh the ministry of the word and prayer, right? Yes. You have to give yourself continually, so the Bible says continually to the ministry of the word and prayer. The other the third thing is you have to set your mind on the Lord. Set your mind on God. Set your mind. That's one of the ways you live a life that is consecrated to God. Alright? And that is why if let's say you are struggling with certain thoughts, if you are struggling with certain things, you have to come to a place where you, you separate yourself. Even as you are fasting, you tell yourself, look, I am going to consecrate my mind right now. And your mind, your mind can actually be consecrated. I'm going to separate my mind specifically so that my thoughts can go in a particular direction. In Colossians chapter number 3 verse 1, Colossians chapter number 3 verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. It says, if then, if, if it truly happened, do you believe it happened? Were you raised with Christ? <laughs> were you actually raised with Christ? If it truly happened, he said to us, seek those things which are above. Alright? Seek those things which are above. Where Christ is. Hmm. Seek the things which are above. So you set your mind. Alright? And then he says, verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That's Colossians chapter number 3, verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter number 3, verse 1 and 2. 
says set your mind on things above. So when, when, when we talk about living a consecrated life, you are setting your mind on the things that matter to God. The things that matter to God must matter to you. The things that are important to God must become important to you. There's something I learned not so long ago when it comes to, to praying for, for particular things. And I want you to write this down. All right, those who are writing notes. <laughs> if, write this down. If you want something for the exact reason God wants it for you, nothing will stop it from coming to you. If you want something for the exact reason why, why God wants it for you, nothing will stop it from, from, from coming to you. What that means is this, whatever it is that you desire, your desires must be set on the things that God wants for you. You must want things for the, for the reasons that God wants you to have them. I don't know if you understand. There are certain people who make certain prayers just, just to prove a point <laughs> to someone. So you must want something for the, for the same reason God wants it for you. That's very important. So you must ask yourself, why do I want this? And if God was, was to give me this, why, why, why would you want it for me? I don't know if you're following. Are you following? If you want something from God, ask yourself, why do I want it? And if God gives you something, why does God want, why does God want to give me this? Why has God given me this? You understand? If you don't know the, the use or the reason why you receive something, you may actually even abuse it. I don't know if you understand. Yeah. One time I remember um, some, some time ago, my dad sent me some money. So I had I, I, I called him to say I needed some money for something. That was like two, three years ago somewhere there. So I called him to say, because uh, I needed to buy some, some groceries for the house and I was short with a certain amount. So I called him saying, I need some money for, for this. And then he said, okay, I'm, I'm traveling right now, but when I get to where I'm going, I will send it to you via Airtel money. I said, ah, wonderful. So he had sent me money on Airtel money several times. You understand that, right? Several times. And you'd send and whatnot. So one time, that, that particular time, he sent the money, but then he sent it differently. Before, he would just send it directly from his account to him. So it would appear. His name, you know what I mean, right? And I know the money has come from him. This time, he, said he, was, he had cash. So he deposited it in my account, in my Airtel money account. But he didn't tell me it was him. I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> and then, he, he, he was not the type of man who, when he sends you money, he'd call you to ask whether you've received it. He just sends and forgets. So two days later, I'm calling that that money mm -hmm. and the money I'd received was actually even more than what I asked. So I didn't think it was actually from him. Mm -hmm. I just got the money ah, party after party. <laughs> 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 you know, in your mind you're thinking ah, 
I can use this money and then I'm expecting that from my dad. So we are sorted. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I sent you money. I sent you this much. Why didn't you tell me it was you? <laughs> anyway, story for another day. Being his only son, he had to send more money. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. The point is really, if you don't know why you've received something, you abuse it. Maybe the exact scenario I've given you, maybe some of you have actually experienced it before. You just receive it, and before you even know why you've received it, you're already spending. <laughs> so if you don't, you, you must know, why, why have I received this from God? Why does God want me to have this? And sometimes the reason is not even a deep reason. Don't think God is God has all these deep reasons that you he explained to you in Greek and then Hebrew. And then he will show you from Jeremiah why he's giving you the money. And from the book of Matthew. And then no, sometimes you can just look for your lunch. It's as simple as that. You see, you don't have to complicate things when it comes to God. But just know why, why exactly have I received this from the Lord? When you know, you will know how to, how to do things. So you must want something for the same reason that God wants it. The same, the same thing with consecration. You must consecrate yourself to the Lord for the exact reason why God wants you to be consecrated. Don't consecrate yourself for selfish reasons. I want to grow so that I can, I can pray more than Deaconess Michi. <laughs> no. You need to consecrate yourself for, for specific reasons. Praise the Lord. My time is running up, so I need to finish. The other thing, uh, in, in, in consecration, when you, when you consecrate yourself, means you do, don't pursue the world. Don't pursue the world. Well, the Bible says something interesting in John, in 1 John, 1 John chapter number 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter number 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter number 2, verse 15. The Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Say, so don't love the world or the things of, of, the, of the world. Don't love them. The things of the world, don't love them. Praise God. Yeah. God can only deliver you from, from, from your enemies, not your friends. <laughs> so if the world is your friend, God can, it's not, it's not possible. So don't love the world, the Bible says. Don't love the world. You can't, listen, you can't be a believer and you love clubbing. No. No. Not two ways about it. I don't know if you understand. Yeah. You, you, you really, really can't be a believer and just do some, those things. As a gentleman, you also you can't be a believer and see a, see a wife in every lady you see. I think this one will make a good mate. Following day, you see the other sister. I like the way she prays. <laughs> when I'm going through a rough period, she will stand with me. Another day, you see another. As you you can't. Amen, gentlemen. <laughs> You're not answering you. 
<laughs> you can't. You, you really, really can't. Praise God. Yeah. Love not the world or the things in the world. Love not. The, when we say love not the world or the things of the world, it means worldliness. Don't entertain worldliness. Don't. Not when we come to see you to, at your boarding house or at your hostel. You are busy dancing those copper boat artists that people, everyone dances to. <laughs> no, really, you can't. Nothing wrong with copper boat artists, by the way. The gospel artists, artists. <laughs> the others have an issue with everyone. <laughs> so please search your phone and find you. Well, I have mafia and I'm hate it. Your heart is already dancing. <laughs> no, really, you can't. You can't. The same fountain can't bring out hot water and cold water at the same time. It's not possible. You have to pick a side. Praise God. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with this. After all, they're not even They're wildly. It's as simple as that. Wildly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's what the Bible says in Psalms chapter number 1 verse 1. That's what the Bible says. So consecration simply means you let go of worldliness, worldly desires. You put them aside. You've heard me. Yes, you laugh, but you heard me. There should be a change. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just, it's just embarrassing even just viewing statuses by believers. It's just... And what I... I've, I have no issue. There are a number of you who have blocked me from seeing your statuses. I'm aware. <laughs> now... <laughs> I'm aware. Like, I know. <laughs> I know, trust me. I know who. I can point. This one I know. And I'm not even talking about prophetic. Sometimes someone just screenshots and I see. Oh, this one also posts. We thought. Anyway. Let me not make my point. I'll end there. Worldliness. No. You've heard what the Bible says. First John 2 verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't. Don't. Don't love them. Don't. The final thing that I'll mention is that you must fall in love with the Lord. That's the final thing I'll mention. You must fall in love with the Lord. You must. That's, that, that's what should drive your consecration. When you're consecrating yourself to God, you must. it must come from a place of love. All right, in the book of Matthew, chapter number 22, Matthew, chapter number 22, verse 37, Matthew 22, verse 37, says, Jesus said to him, Matthew 22, verse 37, says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your minds. You need to fall in love with the Lord. You see, the, the, the antidote to 
to, to or not, not to say the antidote really. The, 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 the heartbeat behind consecration should be should be love for God. When you when you decide to consecrate yourself, for example, when you decide to, to live a life of fasting, a life of prayer, of life, a life of studying the word of God, you it must come from a place where you've actually fallen in love with God. You see, God should not just become someone who just is, is just in your head. You know what I mean, right? Because you've heard about him. Because of, no, God must become a personal experience. Do you understand? There are times, I don't know if you've ever, uh, if let's say you have a friend and they've described someone a little too much to you, the day you meet them, you feel like you've known them for some time, right? Yeah. You see, you might have heard about God. But see, you must have your own personal experience, your own personal encounter with God. And that's, that's the whole goal of consecration. God has separated us so that we can know him. God has called us. God has chosen us. Remember, I told you, you are God's choice. It's so that we can actually encounter him. I don't know if you're, if you're hearing. It means you need, to, you need to come to a place where you are in love with God. You need to come to a place where you're in love with God. There are people who are just in love with the idea of God. Some people are, are in love with the theory of just looking spiritual. No, but when you, when you are in love with God genuinely, number one, you will love other people. You can't love God and, and start hating other people. It's not possible. It's really, really not possible. Yes, I love God, but that one. I love God, but not, 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 not the church. There's too much hypocrisy. You, you are the hypocrite then. No, yeah, you are the hypocrite then. Because that's doing what the Bible says you shouldn't do. Fall in love with God. When you fall in love with God, worship becomes easy. It becomes sweet. You, you will take delight in worshipping him. When you are told, let's close our eyes and worship the Lord, you won't just be imagining everything and everyone when you close your eyes. No, your mind will be stayed on him. When you're asked to give in the house of God, giving doesn't become a burden. You understand? When you love someone, for example, if you decide to buy a gift for your mother or your father because you love them, is it ever a burden? No, you're doing it joyfully, right? Because you know this, this person means so much. I'll do it. That's how, that's, that's how giving actually works in the house of God. When you love God, giving becomes a joy. It, 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 it's not even a burden. It's a joy. Prayer becomes a joy. Not in prayer. Five minutes, I'm already checking the time. I've been in this for a long time. You love talking to God. You, you want, you look for opportunities to actually, to actually pray. You look for opportunities to, to, actually, to actually worship the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. What makes you think that people who actually, even in June, they wake up at 0-3 just to pray? It's cold. They're up. 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning. They're on their knees praying. What, what do you think is driving them? Religion? No. They know the one they've met. They know the one they've encountered. They know the one they've fallen in love with. Your prayer after one change simply because the weather has changed. It's become hot. I think it's better to pray in the night. It's become cold. It's, you, 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 your actions will be driven by love for God. Even you're serving in the house of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Even you're serving in the house of God. It should be driven by love. Love the Lord. Say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. In other words, there is no part of your heart that should not be in love with God. 
No part of your life that is not given, submitted to God with all your mind, so the Bible says. In other words, the same way you think about that person you like, should be, that's the same way you should be thinking about God, even greater. You understand? Yeah. Make plans. Lord, I'm going to save you like this this year. I'm going to save you like this this month. I'm going to do this for you this month. Lord, this year I'm doing this for you. Do things for God. Praise God. Deliberate things saying, I'm doing this for God. I am praying. I am doing I'm I'm going to do this for God. Even in your giving to orphanages and all that, it should come from a place where you love God and you just want to give to others. You understand? Not giving to others just because uh guy, guy, I don't wear these anymore. And if you do that, that's too. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. But when it, when it comes from a place of love, you will be giving your best to others. As in, did God give us any less than his best? No. God gave us his best. He gave us Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's be upstanding. I think my time is up.